We're in part three today of our sermon series, our Advent series, The Wait is Over, where we're looking at the comings of Jesus into the world. That Jesus came into the world, that Jesus is still coming into the world today, and that Jesus will come again. And last week, we looked at the first coming of Jesus and how the story of his coming down, really the story of Christmas, is so much more, so much bigger than we often treat it. That God the Son, the God of all creation, who breathes out stars and galaxies and knows every hair on your head and atom of your existence, came down as a baby in order to grow up and to give his own life to sacrifice himself to redeem the creation. And of course, not just the creation, right? As we saw in that passage in Colossians, you know, it says it's, it's like you have this big panorama view of what Jesus does. And it says, in him was all the fullness of God pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, all of creation reconciled to himself. And then you have those big words that swing the camera around and point it at you where he says, and you, even though you were dead in your trespasses, and you, he came down so that we, so that you, we who were distant, you who were distant from God, could be reconciled to God. And this week we're moving on to our, our next part, and this is perhaps the one that we tend to understand the least, which is unfortunate because this week we're looking at how Jesus is coming into the world in our time, even now. And that's deeply unfortunate that we don't get it because if we miss this, we miss how profoundly privileged we are to be where we are in history. There's a reason why this one is more difficult, of course. Bookending our time in history are the first and the second physical, vis visible comings of Jesus into the world 2,000 years ago when he came down as a man to save, and in the future when he returns to consummate his work to bring in perfection and do away with evil. And sometimes we just want to have been there. We want to be been there in the days when Jesus walked the earth. Or we want to be there when he returns, you know, because it'll be great and be glorious and quietly maybe really sometimes out of a fear of death. But uh, th there's nothing wrong with wanting those things, except that sometimes we feel like we sit in the quiet middle between two times when things were happening in a time when they're not. Between two times when the presence of Jesus was, was or, or will be known, but that in our gap he is distant. From us. And that's just not reality. All right, here's the point. Here's what we're going to get at today. Uh, today, right now, Jesus comes into the world. He comes to apply the victory of his first coming to the hearts and lives of people, and so to bring about in them the reconciliation and beauty which will one day fill the whole creation. That was a long one. Let me say it again. Today, right now, Jesus comes into the world to apply the victory of his first coming to the hearts and lives of people, and so to bring about in them the reconciliation and beauty, which will one day fill the whole creation. So what we're doing, uh, what we're going to do today is we are going to look at what Jesus said about the ways that he comes now. 
and we're going to see that reality play out. So the night before he died, Jesus made this promise to his disciples that we heard read out by, by Jeff today. Yeah. And, and it's such a beautiful word, isn't it? I will come to you. We might think this is just talking about the resurrection to those who saw him after he rose, but he repeats the promise, right? After he rose from the grave, in a, in a new wording, he says it in Matthew 28. He sends out his disciples to make disciples of all the world, to spread his kingdom everywhere, and he speaks this incredible promise. Surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Today, right now, Jesus is in the world and comes into the world. How is he in the world? Well, this little bit of Bible we're looking at today is immediately preceded and followed by this promise. It's bracketed by a promise repeated that Jesus, uh, when Jesus had risen, he would send the Spirit of God to his people. Now, this is where the Trinity gets a bit mind-boggling. Because we might look at that and go, well, that's, that's not Jesus coming into the world, that's the Spirit coming into the world. And, and yes... But really, no. You see, where the Spirit goes, there the presence of Jesus is. This is the Trinity. So close is the relationship of the triune God, such that Jesus can say in one line, the Spirit will be with you, and just a couple of lines later, I will be in you. Sorry, the Spirit will be in you, I will be in you. Such that Paul can say anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ, so the spirit, even though he calls it the spirit of Christ, does not belong to him. This is in Romans 8. But, he goes on, if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. You see what he did there? He calls the spirit the spirit of Christ, and then he just says, Christ is in you, when the spirit is in you. Now, the how isn't where we're going to focus ourselves today. Like I said, no, I want to focus on the what. What does Jesus come to do today? So let's look at this. And I want to, I want to point out a handful of things. One, Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. This is from John 14, 18. I will not leave you as orphans. If we have a tendency to look back and wish that we had the times, if we'd been alive in the times when Jesus could be seen, it's okay. The disciples kind of had the same worry in preparation for him leaving. When, when he goes, we'll be gone. Oh no, what are we going to do? But Jesus says, no, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. John writes in, in one of his letters, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. J.I. Packer, uh, who is, to, in short, probably one of the best authors and pastors and teachers of the last hundred years, uh, he, he said that you sum up the whole New Testament teaching in a single phrase if you speak of it as a re revelation of the fatherhood of the Holy Creator. In the same way you sum up the whole of New Testament religion, if you describe it as the knowledge of God as one's holy father. New Testament religion meaning practicing the New Testament, doing what it teaches you to do. 
if you want to judge how well a person, this is Jared Packer going on, if you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. Here's the first incredible reality of what Jesus comes to do today. He comes to make orphans into beloved children of God. Now, this is him working out in the lives of people what he achieved in his first coming, right? Because in his first coming, he came to reconcile us to God. And right now, when God moves and you trust in Jesus, his spirit enters you and you become something new. The Bible calls it a new creation, an entirely new person. And, and it calls it that because it is that. And at the heart of the identity of that new person is this new truth. I am a beloved child of God because of Jesus. He is my father. God is my father. He loves me and he will not let me go. So many people misunderstand this about the Christian faith. They think that it is about fear and about being burdened by what God needs from you. But the reality is that God is a loving, generous Father. Paul says, you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And th that word Abba expresses something. There's a reason they don't translate it to an English word. It doesn't quite have a, an English word to, to match it, but it expresses something like the affection that a young child has for their beloved father, but in a grown-up way in a mature way. It's deeply personal. Some people say it kind of roughly equates to daddy, and that has some benefits, but I think it misses something as well. For me, it's like, it's like when you haven't seen your dad, you love your dad, and you want to be with your dad, and you haven't seen him in a long time, and finally you get to see him again, and you go, Dad. That's what it is, Dad. Even as I say it, I know that many of us don't have a positive attachment there, a positive or didn't have a, a positive relationship with their dads. But God, God's not like them. I mean, God's better than even the best dad, but, but God isn't like the bad earthly fathers. He's so patient. He's so generous toward us. He's so loving and so good to his children. He loves to hear you speak to him. He sees your efforts and the ways that you seek to follow. And if you're like me, you might feel like you stuff it up and sometimes God is angry with you. But that's not the reality for those who trust in Jesus. When we feel that way, we're feeling wrong. You know, when I when I see my kids trying to do right but failing, I don't hate them. I love them. Or I should love them. Frustration isn't the response. And that's not God's response. He loves us. He looks on us and he, he adores us and he shepherds us. And he goes, oh, they're messing it up, but they're trying. And, and I've dealt with their wrongdoing through Jesus. And I love them. Even when they get it wrong. I love them. When Jesus comes to you today, when by the Spirit he enters your heart, you are no longer distant from God like an orphan. No, you are. You become his child. 
and he makes that invitation today. Come, trust in me and I will come into you and make you a child of God. So Jesus comes to make us, to make orphans the children of God. Second, Jesus says here, yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Now, on one level, that is talking about the resurrection, right? But but this extends beyond that. In fact, he he says down in the in a few verses time, he says, He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So Jesus promises to lovingly make himself known to us as he comes today. And if you don't know Jesus, then that might seem odd to you you know if you didn't know me and i said to you you know i'm gonna come and make myself known to you you might be like good i mean i don't know who you are i don't know whether it's good but but if you know him if you know the savior of the world the one who gives life the one who you were literally created to know and to live in relationship with then you know that there is nothing better than to know him. There is no greater blessing than to know him. The one who says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It is good to know him. And today, here and now, he is making himself known in this world. This happens to us by faith. We move from from not knowing him we move to knowing God, to knowing our Saviour. But this is also the story of the Christian life. Right at the heart of what it means to be a Christian is that you know and trust in God. This isn't just a th- the thing that gets you through the door. This is the thing that we live in, that we know and trust in God. And you are we grow in that knowing of Him and that trusting in Him. We grow more and more in knowing Him. Christianity isn't about morals. Christianity has a morality, but Christianity is about a relationship. It is about knowing. And as you know him more, you become more like him. And this too stands as an invitation today. Jesus says, come. Trust in me and I will come into you and you will know me and know that there is great joy and peace in knowing me. Third, I love this. Could you say something more profound in less words? Jesus says, because I live, you also will live. Jesus comes today to bring the dead to life. Paul writes that God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Imagine if you'd heard these words of Jesus and you'd been one of his disciples, and then and then the next day he dies, right? Because this is the night before he died. He says this. He says, because I live, you also will live. And you're kind of left with that tense question, right? Well, what does this mean for us? Because he's dead now. Does that does that mean I'm th- because he's dead? We're dead. Like, uh, but imagine the joy. 
you know, three days later, he rises from the dead. <laughs> he conquers the grave and walks out of it. And he lives like you've never, ever seen anyone live before. Now, you might hear all this and think, well, yeah, I'm not dead, I'm alive. Check the pulse, breathe a little bit. <laughs> no, yeah, definitely alive. But, but here's the thing. The Bible presents it like this. You might be physically alive right now, heartbeat, breathing, but you're dying. In fact, you are in a world that is filled with death. And at the heart of that death is the existing state of spiritual death, which is being distant from God. At the heart of all death is spiritual death, which is our distance from God. But in the death of Jesus, as he gives himself up as a sacrifice, he conquered the sin that separates us from God. He paid the price for our sin, the death that our sin deserved. There's nothing left for anyone who believes in him. So if you trust in him today, if he comes to you today, you move from spiritual death to spiritual life. And because you have made that move, a day is coming when the life that is brimming up inside you spiritually will be reflected in physically living forever with Jesus when he returns. The final book of the Bible describes it as, a, as there being a first death. This is the physical death and everyone will die a physical death, but there is a second death, which will be the end a death that goes on forever. And those who believe in Jesus now, who he comes to today, do not suffer that second death. Instead, they have real, physical and spiritual and in every way, life with him forever. Do you hear the invitation here? Jesus says, come. Trust in me and I will come into you. And even though you were dead in your sin and separation from me, you will know life. He said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. He gives abundant life today. Fourth, Jesus says, in that day, that is in the day that I come to you, you will know that I am in the Father and you in me and I in you. What are the key words there? You will know. Jesus comes today to bring security to those who trust in him. Security, certainty, is a commodity which the world realized recently it was in deep, deeply short supply of, especially over these last few years, right? People who put their trust in money have gone through financial crises, personal financial crises, national financial crises, even international ones, which have rattled that security. What happens to your, your security, your certainty, your hope, your peace in life when you put your peace in money and then the money ceases to be worth the, the plastic it's printed on? 
People, people who put their security in health or in the health and life of loved ones these last few years have likewise been shaken by disease and by fear of disease. You know, the whole world has been gripped in many ways by the fear of disease. I think many of the things that people have pointed to and gone, wow, these governments are doing crazy things. We can't trust them. I think a lot of the time it's just been governments are made up of people and people were afraid because their security, their certainty, their peace was shattered. They were afraid of disease. They looked at historical pandemics and they went, gosh, this could happen to us. We got a panic here. And yet Jesus comes today to offer a security unlike what the world has to offer. If you know that Jesus and the Father are together and by the Spirit he's in you and you in him, there is a perfect unshakable, unrattleable security because you know he's got you. Even if the whole world is rattled apart, I know someone who is greater than the world. He's got me so I don't need to be shaken. Even if my whole life is shaken down to its core and I lose my life, I know someone who has overcome death and he's got me. I know my good father. I know the one who gives me life abundantly, life which will extend beyond the end of this life. I know Jesus and he makes himself known to me, so I don't need to be shaken. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Hear the security, the assurance in those words. Those that he loves, he holds. We sing a song here where we sing the line again and again, he will never let us go. He will never let us go. The grip of God will hold. He will never let us go. In Christ, we are secure. Yeah, that's not clingy. If that was me, it would be clingy. But, but, but if it is the God of the universe who created you to know him and to find life in him and to be adopted as his child, and he says, I will never let you go. It's the very essence of peace. He's got me. Jesus says, come, trust in me, and I will come into you, and you will be secure in me. There is so much more we could say here. Even just from this passage, and more broadly about what Jesus comes to do today, but let me point you to one more thing here that just sums up the whole picture of what Jesus came to do today. Jesus says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make a home with him. At Christmas, we sing and we celebrate the birth of Jesus and the declaration that he is Emmanuel, which means God with us. But right now, Jesus is here. God is with us. Right now, in fact, God is in us. In all who believe, he is in all who trust in him. He is making the orphans beloved sons and daughters. He is leading those who were distant from God to know him. He is filling those who were dead with resurrection life. He is freely giving to those living in uncertain times a deep 
security and peace in him. He does all of this as he comes and dwells in us. Do you know the love, the life, the peace that Jesus brings as he comes into people today? He invites you, come. Trust in me and be saved. And he invites all of us, whether we have trusted in him already or not, he invites us, come. I love those words from, from the Narnia books that Aslan says to the children in the New Earth. Aslan says this picture of Jesus in, a, in an allegorical tale. And he says, come further up and further in. And it's funny, actually, we've been listening to The, the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, the first of those books recently as a family, as, a, as an audio book. And, and I noticed for the first time ever that that, that phrase come further in, or she went further in, further in, further in. It's repeated again and again and again because, because it's a picture of what happens in our lives, that we are led further in to Jesus, further into knowing him, further into his purposes for us. And Jesus invites us all, know me and know me more. Come further up and further in. If you've been saved, don't be content to spend your life on anything else. Invest your life in knowing your Saviour more.